young people have great ideas. Often you'll, you'll see, wow, I, I could have done that. I thought of that. But they didn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that's a brilliant idea. I put it out there and, and it ends there. If instead you have these skills, it's a brilliant idea. How do I get people to support that idea? How do I get resources for that idea? How do I move it forward from an idea to an actuality? That's the power of, of influencing and negotiating. Welcome back to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Allison Lamaru, and today I'll be your host. Today we're excited to host Mr. Lee E. Miller on the podcast. Miller is a Harvard Law graduate and adjunct professor. He teaches at Columbia University as well as here at Seton Hall, where he teaches master's courses in the Stillman School of Business. He has been recognized for his work in education in Stillman, receiving the award for teaching excellence. Miller is also a published author, and his works include Up, Influence, Power, and the You Perspective, The Art of Getting What You Want, with Barbara Jackson, and A Woman's Guide to Successful Negotiating, alongside Jessica Miller, his daughter. Miller has worked in various fields and has experience in human resources, negotiating, and career coaching. We are excited to host Mr. Miller today as he is a guest lecturer at the Bushino Leadership Institute and will be hosting strategic influencing workshops this November at Seton Hall University. Mr. Miller, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, so I want to start at the beginning of your academic career. How do you think your undergraduate experience shaped you into the person you are today? My undergraduate experience, I didn't, I'm not at a Seton Hall, I'm mm-hmm. actually a Rutgers alumni, <laughs> okay. uh, was a, a broadening experience. Mm-hmm. It, it got me interested in negotiating, it got me interested in influencing. Basically, I wrongly thought I went, wanted to go to law school, <laughs> uh, but law school was great. and it, it, it was important educational experience, and I practiced law for a number of years. Mm-hmm and glad I did that, but it taught me a lot about influencing and negotiating, Mm -hmm. but my passion really uh, was in business, frankly, and Mm -hmm. uh, leadership and influencing and negotiating. You were a Harvard Law School graduate. Just kind of what was your experience like? You kind of talked about how it got you into negotiating. My experience at Harvard was amazing. I've got to say some of the most brilliant people were my classmates who had done interesting things, and I remain friendly with many of them today. My professors were brilliant. So the experience itself was was amazing. It, It opened me up to all sorts of new ideas and new thinking. And it was kind of like boot camp. Not easy, not something I'd recommend unless you want to be a lawyer, which it's a great, great experience. But I actually, since I chose not to teach at law school, but I chose to teach at business school, (laughs) I'm more a fan of uh, business because I think it allows more creativity. Okay. So you kind of touched on how your undergraduate experience was kind of what got you interested in negotiation. Was there like a certain class that you took or something that you saw that made you so interested in that? Well, I, I studied political science. I was a political science okay. major, economics minor. 
And everything's about negotiating. Mm-hmm. Every aspect, in the, whether it's in the international world or in your personal life or certainly in your business life, everything is about strategic influencing and negotiating. It's the most important skill that you can master to be successful in life. You can be a great marketer. You could be a great operations person. You could be great at, at any a computer person. But ultimately, success is based on how you influence people. You Once you get beyond the individual contributor stage where you just do whatever you do by yourself and it's great and you need to get resources, you need to motivate people who work for you, work with you to do what you want them to do, influencing negotiating are the the absolute key skills. If they don't want to work with you, if they're not excited about working with you, if they're not motivated – It's not that they won't help you. It's just you're going to be very low on the list. And you all know that you're very busy. So if something is low on your list, pretty much it never gets done. (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting topic. I know you kind of touch on that in your book, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But that's an interesting little insight right there. So as a professor, you teach graduate students in our MBA program at the Stillman School of Business. And some of your key courses are on negotiations. What made you decide to teach students about how to effectively negotiate? Was there something that you saw that young graduates had a lack of, or you kind of touched on how you think it's, you know, a very important skill for everyone to have? Well, I spent, after I left the practice of law, I spent almost 15 years in corporate America, starting out as the, basically the head of labor relations. Obviously, that's a big negotiating Mm -hmm. position. But then I was the head of human resources at TV Guide, USA Networks, and Barney's New York. And what I, I saw in those jobs is success was about how effective you are at influencing and negotiating. And I did not feel that students actually learned that skill. Mm -hmm. I think it's underemphasized in in the curriculum. I think, frankly, and I opened my MBA course to seniors, so if they want to take it, it's open for them. It's a Saturday morning, Saturday class, but it's only seven weeks. And it's a workshop. Every week we do two negotiations. And the only way you can really learn to negotiate is by experiencing it, doing it, and then talking about it and learning lessons. That's how I teach my course. Mm -hmm. So it may seem like a long day in class, but it actually isn't because it goes very fast because much of it is you're actually spent time negotiating. What advice would you give undergraduates of all majors negotiating? You you teach this to students in the school of business, but what can all students kind of get from these ideas of negotiating? Well, I'd start with view everything as a negotiation or a, a chance to influence because they're mm-hmm. they're very similar. Influencing and negotiating uh, as I teach it are very similar skill sets. One is it's kind of context. If I'm sitting across the table from you, I'm negotiating. But if I'm just trying to get you to work with me using the same skills, I'm influencing. So it's how you perceive what I'm doing. If you you perceive it more adversarially, you'll you'll think you're negotiating. If you perceive it more collaboratively, you'll think you're influencing. But either way, it's basically the same thing. The art of getting people to do what you want, to want to help you, to support you. And that's critical. It's critical uh, in your life. And, and as I said, students who learn this skill, when they get out, will do better. They'll do better much more quickly. And most, to, on a practical level, what I would say is my course is financially the most important course you'll ever take. It's not what I teach the the financial, how to negotiate your salary, how to negotiate a promotion, how to negotiate a raise. That's not the most important thing I teach. It's not even that important, but it's worth a lot of money. And I do teach it because it's, again, a small part of negotiating. It's how do I use these skills in that particular context as opposed to how do I get you to give me money to support my project, to create, you know, wells in Africa. 
negotiating is, is the skill that lets you do what's important in the world. So it's kind of focusing on collaboration with people, not just, you know, like, this is what I want kind of thing. Well, it's, it's both. It's, again, negotiating. If you don't get what you want, you haven't been successful. The second part of what I, the way I teach it is if the other side doesn't feel good about it. I also don't think you've been successful. So those are the two things you have to, to do. You okay. have to get what you want and make this I feel good about helping you get what you want. So kind of going off of that, you have a workshop series on strategic influencing coming up next month here at Seton Hall. For those of our listeners who are interested, the dates are November 1st, November 8th, and December 6th. So what advice do you kind of hope to get a attendees give to them? Well, what's unique about this program, it's basically two sessions. You wouldn't take all three of those sessions. The first session I give in two different types, basically, for two different audiences. The first session is for women. It's based on the book I wrote with my daughter, A Woman's Guide to Successful Negotiating. 80% of negotiating is gender neutral. 20% kind of plays out differently for men and women. Uh, it's not that, you know, again, it's, uh, it's not that women are disadvantaged or men are disadvantaged. It's just different. It's like uh, I, I like to say, if you're six foot four, you're going to negotiate one way. If you're five foot two, you're going to negotiate another way. So it's just that men and women are different. They're perceived differently. You And again, we're all unique. So even within that, you have to be who you are, but you have to deal with the fact that men and women are perceived differently, and you have to be aware of it. It doesn't necessarily mean you should change who you are, but you need to understand how the other side is perceiving you, and you need to adjust their perception as opposed to who you are, and that's part of what we teach. So I have the one session that's for women, and not the second session, which is basically the same. I'll call them essentials. If that's gender neutral. I have men and women in that course, and then I have an advanced course. The first Two, again, you take one or the other, you wouldn't take both, are about one-on-one influencing. How do we influence one-on-one? The second, the more advanced, is how do we do the same thing to multiple people? Because you're not, I, I'm not just sitting here trying to get you to do something. I may need to get your whole team. I may need to get your boss. I may need to get several other people to, to agree to do the same thing. So that's what the second session deals with. And then also virtual. And that's what we're doing all the time. We're not sitting face-to-face and trying to influence people uh, as much as we are using the internet, email, text, phone, Skype, all of those are tools that we can use to influence and negotiate. And that's part of the second session, multiple stakeholders, virtual influencing. That's interesting that you mentioned, you know, kind of the more technological age and, you know, kind of using that. What have you kind of seen that's like either the same or different versus like face-to-face negotiations versus over technology through Skype or through email? Like, is there a big difference in how the way people present themselves? Or do you think that people tend to, you know, use the same kind of voice and language that they would normally? Well, that's, that's a fascinating subject. We, we're do, doing a lot of research on that. And several years ago, 10 years ago, I would have said that the difference between face-to-face influencing and negotiating and virtual influencing and negotiating is that virtually you can't read the person's feelings or emotions. You know, a joke virtually may not come across as a joke. Mm-hmm. It may be taken out of context. So again, 10 years ago, I would have said absolutely positively, face-to-face, you, you can read the other person. Uh, virtually you cannot. But they're doing some studies recently, and I don't have an answer to this, I don't have a conclusion, but I have an an instinct. And it is actually that millennials and those of us who are older than millennials actually are different in that context, that millennials actually can read emotions virtually in a way that is makes it more similar and more powerful than it used to be. And certainly older individuals haven't grown up on using virtual tools 
tools, using the internet, using texts, aren't able to read that. So, so there raises two issues. One, well, now millennials can be very effective at reading and communicating virtually in a different way than we were in the past. And two, when you're doing it with somebody who's not a millennial, they're not getting what you're saying <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. They're not reading the emotions. You think they are, but they're not. And that could easily cause miscommunications, problems, breakdowns in the uh, negotiating and the influencing. Is there any other things that you know students can expect to learn from these workshops? Any advice that you would give attendees? Sure. What students are going to learn that pretty much everybody wants to learn, but students really need. How do you negotiate that first job? How do you get that first job? I mean, that's not the emphasis of the workshops, but the tools you learn are very important in that context. As I said, that's contextual. The, the basic tools I teach will help you at work. They will help you at home. They will help you uh, be successful in every aspect of your life. But, of course, one of those aspects is getting your first job, getting your raise, getting your promotion. Interesting. So kind of going back to the, you know, the raise and promotion, you, you know, you're not only an accomplished professor, but you're an accomplished author as well. You wrote a book with your daughter, A Woman's Guide to Successfully Negotiating. And this focuses on how women can improve their negotiation skills. So I had a few uh, questions about that. What was your experience writing this book? It was amazing. Working with your daughter is an amazing experience. To you, It changes your relation to, to that of a more of, of a peer and an equal, and you get a new level of respect. My daughter, who's now an adult by many years, is the most successful, she's a successful real estate broker. She negotiates all the time. I learn stuff from her all the time these days. Uh, there's no one I'd, I'd actually rather hire to help me negotiate than her. So I learned a lot. I think she learned a lot. And Together, we were able to, to come up with something that provides a male and female view of the negotiating process geared to help women, and also a generational view of the negotiating process, again, specifically geared to help women. Mm-hmm. So kind of going off that, why did you decide to write it, you know, especially with your daughter? You know, did you see something that you could help improve upon in the workforce? Well, actually, it was her idea. Oh. Uh, she said to, to me one day that you should really write a book for women teaching them what you taught me growing up. This, she was already in the, in the workforce uh, for a number of years when she said that. And obviously, she felt that what I had taught her growing up was very useful. I said to her, there is no way I can do that. I don't know enough. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said, you should write the book. And then we decided to write it together. It's probably a great experience being able to work with your daughter like that. Um, you know, kind of learn from her as well. Both get to benefit and get different perspectives on that. So it's really interesting little and, tidbit. Yeah. And a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you ever get an opportunity to work with your father or mother or, or if you're if you're a parent with your child, it's an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. So how can women of all fields benefit from this advice, whether it's, you know, in, you know, an actual business, if it's in a hospital, in a school, what kind of ways can all women kind of benefit from this? Well, in the book, we talk about the 10 most common mistakes women make and how to avoid them. It's a very practical book. I think you start with something I think is not really being taught, in my view, appropriately in school. Men and women are perceived differently. I don't know, as I said, if that's fair or unfair. I have two daughters and two granddaughters. So it's very uh, an important issue for me. And frankly, there are many societal issues that deal with women that I think need to be fixed. And, and I think those are important. But what I try to bring to the table, and along with my daughter, is 
that's going to take time, and I don't want the next generation of millennials and, and my grandchildren to, if it takes too long, to miss out on the opportunities. So there are ways of dealing in the world you're dealing with and dealing effectively. And as I said, I do not think women in any way are disadvantaged when they negotiate. To the extent there are studies that might suggest they, they are, I, the way I read those studies is basically if you negotiate like a man, in other words, if you don't notice the differences and you basically are in a context that is favorable to a male negotiating style and you use your style or your your woman or in fact it's not going to work as well so my view and what my daughter has taught me and why she's so successful is if you use your own style if you recognize that and you say wait a second I don't have to negotiate this exactly the same way a man would I'm going to negotiate this with my own style in my own way you can actually be more effective because women bring a lot of advantages to the negotiating table we just don't teach them to use it because we teach them frankly, or society teaches them perhaps, do it the same way as a, as a man does it. And if it doesn't work, it's because society is somehow discriminating against you. And, and there is discrimination. I don't, I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong about that. But some of it is like, wait a second, let me do it differently. And all of a sudden, you now have an advantage rather than a dis- disadvantage. Interesting. Yeah, that's, you know, you make some good points there about how, you know, like women can still use like their own techniques. They just have to apply it a bit differently. It's not completely changing themselves. Exactly. You have to be authentic. You have to be yeah. yourself. So that's what I teach women is how do you use what you bring to the table, your unique skills, your, frankly, what you do better than men. I mean, women do a lot of things better than men. And again, these are generalizations. They listen better. Critical skill. They empathize more. Critical skill in negotiating. If you use those properly and effectively, very powerful. That kind of reminds me, I, res, I was able to read a small portion of your book, Up, Influence, Power, and the You Perspective. You cover an interesting method of negotiating an influence called the You Perspective and the three C's, convince, collaborate, and create. Could you give our listeners just a brief explanation of what the youth perspective is? Well, youth perspective, again, it's the basic building block of all influencing and negotiating as I teach it. And I may teach it a little differently than, than other people, but it's very powerful. It really is how do you see the situation and what do you care about? And I need to influence through the you perspective, again, what you s- care about, how you see the situation, to motivate you to want to do what I want to do. And what we tend to do is to motivate by the me perspective. What I think, the reason I think this is important and you should do it, well, that may not be the reason you think this is important and you should do it. And if I try to convince you, see it the way I see it, here's the good reasons why you should want to do this, I probably won't convince you, but even if I do, it's going to be very hard. If instead I simply show you why you should do what I want you to do, for the reasons you think it will be important and f- to, in terms of what you care about, you're immediately going to say, wow, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So if you motivate, if you influence, if you negotiate with the person's you perspective in mind, they're inclined immediately to say yes. And then it's just about figuring out the details. So it's about kind of taking their perspective and not just putting yourself in their shoes thinking, this is what I would do in your situation. Exactly. And, th- and that's, I think, exactly the key point. That's what many people teach. Figure out what you would do in their shoes. You're not them. It's really figuring out what are they going to do, being who they are, seeing the world through their eyes. And once you understand that, 
you can quickly and easily bring them around to agreeing to do what you want them to do. You may have to work out the details because obviously there are things that they care about, but basically you're changing the dynamics when you influence through the you perspective. So how do you think undergraduates and young leaders can kind of utilize this you perspective to get what they want? You know, you gave us a brief explanation of what it is. So how can they apply it to their daily lives? It, it, it works every day, all the time. Simple thing like, you know, where, what movie are we going to go to? Where are we going to go out to dinner? If you understand what the other person cares about, you can bring them around to going out to dinner in a place that you both want to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, or you can simply make it easy. Say that's your perspective. Look, I, I, I'm busy. Uh, I, you know, a lot of, I'm pressed for time. Oh, let's go to eat at this place, which is close by and easy, and there's a movie right next door. If you focus on that, they'll be more likely to say yes as opposed to saying, I really think this is a great movie or I really think that's a great restaurant. If their concern at the moment is, I don't have a lot of time, i got to rush, 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 giving them a, a solution that satisfies that need will make it very easy for you to go to the movie you want and go to the restaurant you mm -hmm. want. Interesting. Yeah. It's, you know, you can use it in all sorts of ways. I like that. It's not just about when you're in, you know, the business world and, you know, when you're working and stuff, you can use it kind of for daily activities as well. Every day, all day, influencing and negotiating in the you perspective is a powerful tool. And you also talk about the three C's. How did you decide that those were some of the most important building blocks for using the you perspective? Well, that's our model, the three C's. Uh, so we developed the model. It's uh, That was not something we discovered. It's something that we built three different approaches. Once, of course, you know somebody's you perspective mm -hmm. to getting them to come around to doing what you want them to do. Convince is about how do I affect the perception of value? How do you, when I make a proposal, how do I get you rather than saying, that's an interesting idea. Let me think about it to, wow, let's talk about this. How can I do that? So that's what convinces. It's, it's how to, again, by appealing to what you care about, how do I present this in a way that really triggers your emotional response of, that, I really want to do that. Now let's figure out the details. So that's convinced. Collaborate is your traditional win-win negotiating, the way we have taught negotiating, at least uh, since I was in law school. How do I make this better for both of us? So mm -hmm. uh, that's more objective, whereas convince is more subjective. And create is about structure. How do I structure our interactions in ways for maximum impact? So three different approaches that you can use in the influencing and negotiating process. Yeah, it's very interesting to, you know, kind of be able to have those three ways to build your argument. And like, you're not just, I think this is what we should do. You have a clear cut plan of how you're going to effectively negotiate. Exactly. So you have a lot of experience in many different fields, human resources, you know, you were graduated law school. Are there any lessons that you have learned throughout your career that you think Im that would be impactful for young leaders to learn from? Yeah, don't limit yourself. There really is nothing you can't achieve. I, I believe, I've, obviously, if you learn to influence and negotiate, that will really push you on your way. It, it will get you pretty much anywhere you want to go. Young people have great ideas. Often you'll, you'll see, wow, I, I could have done that. I thought of that. But they didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. That's where the influencing and negotiating skills are. You know, oh, that's a brilliant idea. I put it out there and, and it ends there. If instead you have these skills, you're going to figure, how do I get support? It's a brilliant idea. How do I get people to support that idea? How do I get resources for that idea? How do I move it forward from an idea to an actuality? That's the power of, of influencing and negotiating. And as I said, if look, I, look I, there are many skills that are important in life. 
you want to be a great marketer if you're going into marketing. You want to have great computer skills if you're going into computer sciences. But ultimately, after you have those skills, how successful you will be will depend on how effective you are as an influencer and a negotiator. So kind of part of that is, you know, not not only not being afraid to take that step to be innovative, but to follow through with it, be able to negotiate with other people and kind of, you know, use the their perspective in order to get them to help you with what you want to do. And all of life is gaining the support of mm-hmm. others. Yeah. So just kind of a general question, what does leadership look like in your industry or what does leadership look like to you? Well, leadership to me, I, I think Eisenhower said it best. Leadership is the art of getting other people to do what you want them to do for the reasons that they want to do it. It's all about motivating. And Mm -hmm. that's what influencing and negotiating is all about. How do you motivate others? So are there any other, uh, you know, besides your own books, are (laughs) are there any other books or podcasts that you encourage young leaders to read or listen to? Or are there any thought leaders in either your industry or any other industries that you recommend students look into? Well, in the world of negotiating, you have to read Getting the Yes. That's uh, other than my books. It's the Bible of uh, negotiating. I like Malcolm Gladwell. I think Blink is an excellent book that uh, kind of shows you how to overcome your own biases. I like Dan Ariely's book, Predictably Unpredictable, I think. I'm not sure exactly the title, but it's about how people behave irrationally, but predictably. It's part of behavioral Mm -hmm. economics, and I think that's a, a very worthwhile read to understand that we don't actually all behave rationally. Mm-hmm. This, the, the, what we learned in economics, that people are rational beings, not totally true. We're emotional beings. And, mm-hmm. and I use that in influencing. I use that in, in negotiating. Obviously, p- politicians use it all the time. They're, they're playing to your emotions as opposed to your, your rationality. So I think that – I think it's predictable irrationality. Again, it's Dan Ariely. He's the author, though. And I think that's a very worthwhile read as well. And then are there any leaders or people that you look up to or who are kind of mentors to you that um, you think students could benefit from, you know, learning about? Well, it's interesting. I've long since given up on hero worship. There are no real heroes. But what the advice I would give to, to students is your boss, find a boss who you admire, who you admire in terms of their work ethic, in terms of their ethics in general, in terms of their knowledge, and in terms of their willingness to mentor and and help you. That actually would be my advice to graduating students. In your first job, the most important thing, not how much money you you make. I, I mean, I can teach you how to make more money, but that's not what's most important. It's finding a boss and finding an organization that will help you learn and develop. And those I can... I'm at the point in my career where I think back to the first bosses I had who really impacted my life, the teachers I had mm-hmm. who really impacted my life. To the extent there are, those are heroes in my life, I would say those are the real heroes. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a really good bit of advice there, kind of looking for people who will help you grow and not just are there to be your boss. They want to help you and encourage you. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Mr. Lee Miller, for coming on the podcast. And for our listeners out there, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Allison. It's been a pleasure.